to getting salty, baby. Yeah, here's the getting salty. Okay, welcome back. Yeah, we had a, you know, we're five episodes deep. This is the fifth episode. Yes. We've had good luck until now. And we recorded what will go down in history, no doubt, like Atlantis, like many other beautiful, <laughs> yet unfound treasures <laughs> that have only ever just passed from lips to lips on wow. the, the wisp of an angel's wings. Yeah. The most beautiful first half of an episode. And we then I hardly knew it. ye. We truly hardly knew ye. There was a world-class segue. Oh my God, from you guys. Ray. I wish. And now, if I could turn back, back town. Oh, truly. <laughs> and then I checked the audio just now while we're waiting for the meal to simmer. And it was garbage. The audio was it bungled. It sounded like we were speaking from like inside six boxes underwater. It was yeah. horrid. I don't know what happened. I'm furious. So now we're sitting here. We made hot chocolate. Okay. <laughs> we're waiting for uh, we're waiting for the food to simmer, which we will discuss. We will. So this is just we just need it's to emotional. Let it's it's okay. emotional. Just let it yeah, out. We just have to like process talk this. through it. But anyways, we made hot chocolate, and now we're going to we're gonna start over. <laughs> <laughs> Round two, here Round we go. Two. First things first, <clears throat> I'm going to walk us back. I'm going to talk about what is on the stove. It smells incredible. Yes. This The blessing in disguise here is that this meal needed to simmer for a okay. while, so we have time to fix the issue. <laughs> yeah. Glad I checked before I left. Anyway, uh, I'm making. we're making today a recipe from my partner's family. Um, mm -hmm. Half of their family is from Egypt, and this recipe is called Egyptian spinach. Don't know if it has like a an official name, but that is what his grandmother calls it. Mm -hmm. And his mother, my mother-in-law, graciously taught me the recipe. It's their favorite food, so I make it for them all the time. Um, and so what it is is it's uh, garlic onions blended to yes. get like a nice pulp. You put some olive oil in a hot Dutch oven, which Big Red is currently simmering on. She's simmering still. away. She's, she's very happy away. right now. She is. She is. She's our she's our rock during this trying time. Mm -hmm. Truly. And um, <clears throat> stewing beef, I snipped it up into cubes. It was absolutely stunning. Just Stun for the listeners oh. on our non-visual medium here, uh, the marbled, oh. just lovely little ribbons of snip, fat running snip, through snip. it, and you were snipping away, and just then it, dropping it in the olive oil, and you get like a the sizzle. No, that's gone. You know, you just don't appreciate what you have until it's Sometimes you just you get hurt the most by the people that you rely on. And but in our case, it was our Amazon headphones. Oh, microphones. Right? <laughs> <laughs> headphones. Microphones. <laughs> so it's good to know we're still funny. So there will be some funny content in this Because we were on the left to keep crying. Truly. Yeah. And then I sauteed the beef. Mm hmm. Um, added in the onions and garlic, added in a can of tomato paste. Yes. Two equal portions of water, and now it's bublin. And then we're going to add gonna in get, uh, the spinach. tenderoni beef, that's for sure. <laughs> we are going to get some tenderoni beef. So we had your segment because we, uh, we were discussing, you know, we were discussing how, perhaps most importantly, the, the come down from the Halloween high and how November 
we've declared Sleepy Hollow season. Sleepy Hollow season. What did I say? Dead tree. Dead season. tree season. <laughs> Doesn't have the same ring. Skeleton but like, tree season. You know, yeah, she's got the spirit. Uh, yeah, she's got the spirit. I'm on the right track. You're on the right track. And um, how we're not quite ready to let go of the ooky spookies. No, we're not ready to let go of the fog and the ambiance. So we decided we were gonna bring in some real serious. True crime. True crime. Yeah. Our first foray into true crime. We didn't go with anything even remotely recent because you know, <laughs> we're budding investigators. We're still yes. trying to figure we're out We're history buffs. Yeah. But I we, say as I adjust my glasses, I'm like, history <laughs> buffs. <laughs> um, so, you know, we wanted to like dip our toes in, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> which now we're going to dip our toes in again. Yes. Because, well, we got to. We got to. And you know to. what? If we're nothing if not adaptable... And speaking of adaptable, you know well, who is adaptable? Who is adaptable? Jack the Ripper. Oh. <laughs> Back Jack. with the fire segues. You know Thank what? You. It's the one thing we haven't lost I'm from that. really sad about my segue about. That lost audio. Yeah, because I had one that was like speaking of meat chunks or oh something like that. That was speaking really horrifying. Melting meat or something like <laughs> speaking that. Of this, speaking of, yeah, melting in with the meat. Oh, yes. Ugh. So I listen. I'm going to be referring to some notes. I am. Uh, I'm not a ripperologist, which is a real thing. That is totally. Do you know ripperology is like a genuine thing? You know what? I believe it. And this is something that I was going to say on the last take, actually, that I forgot to. But um, I wanted to ask just before you jumped into Jack the yeah. Ripper, um, what is it about true crime that fascinates you, where you're able to consume it without getting super bummed out by the the more Ooh. grisly details because uh, this is something question. I've even questioned of myself being somebody who consumes a lot of true crime mm-hmm. content. That's a really good question. Um, I think sometimes I do get bummed out. It really, like I have to mm. be quite careful about what I'm, what I choose to listen to and what I don't. Yes. We are talking in, again, the lost tapes. Lost tapes, tapes, tapes. About how we both love, um, um, Oh my god. My, my favorite not, murder. Yeah, thank you. I was gonna say <laughs> I was gonna say Wine and Crime, which is another great podcast, but yes. my favorite murder. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> and how they really I mean, you know, they cover a lot of things and some of them I, I can listen to and some of them I can't. Some yep. of them are too upsetting. Too yeah. upsetting, too disturbing. Not that, you know, <laughs> Jack the Rippy Boy here is uh <laughs> not upsetting and disturbing, but I think because there's space, you know, time is between it's an us. antique mystery. It's an antique. <laughs> oh my god she goes in for the three-pointer and it's a slam dunk i was wondering if you're gonna like that (laughs) if no one knows if you check our instagram ray and i went as tulio and miguel from the road to el dorado for halloween and i mean the soundtrack Again, oh Jesus Christ! Creative, lit up. I'm getting lit up. Yeah, creative goosebumps. I literally, <laughs> I literally have the goosebumps. Yeah, it's it the is a soundtrack an written by mystery, written by Sir Elton John, famously. Oh. <laughs> First famously of the episode, everyone. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> not including the lost tapes, 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 tapes. tapes. Yeah. Um, so yes, Jack the Ripper. <laughs> I just, you know, I love a callback reference. (laughs) (laughs) It's an antique mystery. Yep. Um, And, you know, nothing has been revealed on the trail that he blazed. No, except that he's fucked up. (laughs) 
some, you <laughs> yeah. know, and historians have said that. Historians yeah. say it famously, Jack the Ripper was fucked up. We concur. That is our, <laughs> that's our judicious decision here. Yes, yes. That's what we've come to realize. Jack the Ripper is fucked right up. Okay, interesting. So I'm going to take us back. We're going to get I the, was going to say yes, you've definitely satisfied my, my question. Yeah, so I, I feel like I need time. I need you, space so that it doesn't yeah. feel so contemporary. Mm-hmm. And also in the field that I, I work in, uh-huh. I get a lot of contemporary crime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I get my, fill my cup that way. I'm good to that have some, uh, a little space. So I'm going to get us in the way back machine here. We're going to... Strapped in. You strapped in. You buckled up. Here we go. <laughs> buckled the fuck up. Oh, buckle the hell up, baby. Ready for action. Oh, we're, and we're going back. We're going back to 1988. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Totally lied. We're going back to 1888. Don't know there where. There we go. We're going right back to the 80s. <laughs> the 1880s, that is. The 1880s. Apparently, I can't. This, this hot chocolate's just getting me fired yeah, up. That's you know? quite all right. It's delicious. Um, so we're going back, yes, to the autumn of 1888. We are in Whitechapel. Yes. London. London at, you know, some would say it's most... Both at its most glorious and at its most disgusting. Um, I feel like anytime I picture London at this time, yeah. I feel like you'll respect this. Um, yeah. I just immediately think of Tim Burton, Sweeney Todd. Yep, that's exactly the vibe. Everything's covered in grime. Yep, and like gray brown grime. Yep, and the sky is gray and brown. The ground is gray and brown. Everybody's gray and brown. Mm-hmm. Victorian London. Yeah. There is sewage in the streets. Ooh. Open air slaughterhouses. Aye, aye, Everything aye. is disgusting. But then there's also on the other side, uh-huh. some of those, like the wealthiest block in the world. Mm. So there are, you know, lords and ladies abound. Abound. But also, you know, the newly burgeoning new riche, nouveau riche. Yes. Was are coming up as well. Around the industrial revolution. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's what I thought. So workhouses, mm. smokestacks. Oh, yes. Setting the tone. Very industrial. And now, yes. And now Whitechapel. Mm-hmm. Famously known for being destitute. Yeah. Violent. Yeah. Extremely poor. You know, the worst imaginings you can have of this, like, very poor, um, dirty, you know, kind of disease-ridden vibe of Victorian London. That's what we're talking about with Whitechapel. Okay, okay. The picture is painted and it's grim. (laughs) And it is, I tell you what, it is grim. Yep. And it is grim. It's grim. Um, So... The Autumn of Terror, as it was called. (laughs) Did that just hit just right for you? (laughs) I tried not to choke on it. (laughs) There was a flag in there. I can't believe you did that to me as I took a sip. I didn't expect such a visceral. Oh, Autumn of Terror. That really hit for Ray so like you sorry. would not believe. Wow. Taking a sip of your mug like, oh my God. I'm ready. Got my hot chocolate. It's the autumn of terror. I'm still strapped <laughs> in. <laughs> still strapped in. You're still strapped in. Yes. Okay. Things okay. are disintegrating <laughs> so rapidly for us. The stress of this episode. I know. <sighs> Anyways. Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to say it again and try to keep it. Keep professional. I'm right? not touching my drink until you're done. The Autumn of Terror. Yes. I still see it. You're just so <laughs> viscerally like, oh, fuck, yeah, that's incredible. 1888, oh. like I said many okay. times. Okay. 
So I don't think there's anybody who hasn't heard of Jack the Ripper. This is going to be a skimming of the Jack the Ripper case. Yes. And the lore around Jack the Ripper. Sounds good. There are a million and one podcasts you can go for deep dives. Mm -hmm. Hours and hours of content. This is not the one. No. But I'm glad you're here anyway. Let's get into it. So there were a number of other women, we think, that were murdered, but there were five canonical victims of Jack the Ripper. We have Mary Ann Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly. So they're the ones that are considered canonical victims of Jack the Ripper, the most likely to have been yes. um, victims of his, the canonical five. Um, all five of these killings took place within a mile of each other. Oh. And, you know, he, the name Jack the Ripper does kind of allude to what he was up to. <laughs> yeah. But these women's bodies, and I'm going to give you a big flashing warning sign right here. The rest of the episode is going to be gory. It's going to be a little gross. We're not going to go into extreme detail, but the nature of the topic, it's nasty. So if you're yeah. not into it, that's okay. Mm -hmm. You can come back next week. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so the women's bodies had been mutilated in arguably some of the most horrific ways possible. Very grisly. Um, organs had been removed, kidneys, uteruses. Um, they had been, like, uh, one of the victims had an ear partially removed. Um, but their legs had been, I'm trying to think of how to describe it, basically, like, pulled back towards their torsos, like, almost like they were giving birth or something like that. Like oh, I see, yeah. Yeah, so again, very kind of this... Sort of gruesome way of I mean, positioning, like of humiliating, maybe, and yeah. yeah and so right off the bat, police are like, "Okay, maybe this guy's got some kind of something's not right." White anatomy. <laughs> something's not white in something's not right in White Chapel. Yeah, got it. Um, they're thinking maybe he's got some kind of knowledge mm -hmm. of anatomy. Um, so I have a little. Um, I have like a little blurb from one of the police, uh, the police surgeon at the time. So yes. the po po postmortem records for one of the victims, Catherine Eddowes, mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Frederick Gordon Brown. Excellent. He said, I believe the perpetrator of the act must have had considerable knowledge of position of the organs in the abdominal cavity and the way of removing them. It required a great deal of knowledge to have removed the kidney and to know where it was placed. Such a knowledge might be possessed by one in the habit of cutting up animals. So, I mean, that's a very specific reference there that maybe they're thinking this guy was a butcher. Some oh, people, yeah. you know, theories abound. Mm -hmm. Some people are like he was a doctor. Some are he's a butcher. Could be anything, right? Some Could people be. think, um, I mean, to dive right into the conspiracy theories off the bat. Yeah. Um, some people, <laughs> there were conspiracy theories, still are conspiracy theories, that it was um, like a member of the royal family. I've never heard that one yes. before. Oh, yeah. And I'm fairly familiar with this case. Yes. Members That's... of the royal family or the Freemasons, of course. Oh, the Freemasons, um, yes. There was a, uh, a famous painter that everyone was quite convinced. Um, Sucks to be that guy. Well, yeah. And so he had actually <laughs> painted a few, paint, a few works that one of them was titled Camden Town Murder. And it's of like a man with his head in his hands and there's a nude female body on the oh. bed. It's not gory, but but it's impactful. No, it's not like super. It's not a super chill thing. No. Um. So, yeah, lots of conspiracy theories around who done it. 
Do we know who done it? We don't know who done it. I'm just gonna get uh, that out of the. I know many a people cold are case sh- still. Still, if you can believe in this it, economy. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, so yes, there were the five victims. They think there were potentially more. Things got really confusing because there were letters sent to the police. Famously, oh. there's the from hell letter, oh, yes. which ties in for a little bit of a, a more modern pop culture reference to the from hell movie, uh-huh. um, which I, I actually really liked. I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh my God, we have to watch it. It's good. Okay. It does have Johnny Depp in it. That's fine. Yeah. I think everybody's fine. maybe figuring <laughs> out the truth. That's a whole other topic. Uh, uh, Anyways. Yeah. <clears throat> so... I liked the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was allegedly letters being written by Jack Rippy Boy that were were being sent to Scotland Yard. So there's the From Hell letter. There's another one called Dear Boss. Mm. Both of them, the, dear, the From Hell letter, he talks about a murder and he talks about how he's going to eat a kidney. Oh, I so, remember that one, yeah. Yeah, and so then there's like, they're like, okay, was he a cannibal? What was he doing? All of the women yes. um, were local to uh, Whitechapel, mm-hmm. which, you know, like some of them were murdered within like a block of each other, yes. which is very creepy and weird. Mm-hmm. Sex workers, yep. they were. And um, some, well, I guess what we we think happened, what we have from police reports and stuff is that um, many of them were actually inebriated at the time of the murders. Mm. So, I mean, he could not really pick a more vulnerable target as opposed to like an intoxicated sex worker who has, I mean, we're talking 1888 here. They're hungry hungry and they need to make money. And there are barely protections that we have for sex workers now, let alone in 1888. So he's really picking off the the most vulnerable people around. People who don't have other people to follow up on where they are. Exactly. And check on them. Exactly. And so there's also, um, I totally just lost my train of thought. <laughs> While you regather it, um, sorry, this is just very interesting for me to listen to explain this and like the context of the neighborhoods and stuff because um, I don't know if I ever told you this, but uh, when me and our good friend, Ms. Daniel Georgia, are... Oh went to London on our post-grad trip. We actually did a Jack the Ripper walking tour mm. through Whitechapel. <laughs> How was it? It was really cool. It was very well done. And uh, But that getting the actual physical proximity of how close together all the bodies were found and even going through where the bodies were found, very interesting. Was it very, freaky? Yeah, it was a little freaky. What does Whitechapel look like now? Um, a lot of heritage buildings still. So I very much felt and looked as if it would have in the 1880s, just maybe a little less gray brown. Oh, a little less Sweeney Todd. A little less Sweeney Todd. It looked a little cleaner. Yeah. Um, there were a couple like McDonald's and stuff. Okay. Around. Yeah, well. Um, yeah. Lots of old churches. I thought those were cool. But yeah, anyway, I just, I, this is why I do find it so interesting though to hear about it again and to think back of like physically being there. Oh, I would love to go. Um, so because a lot of these women were really vulnerable in the community mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. it and when uh, everything sort of hit the press everything yes. became like sensationalized like this yes. was a big deal this was not like no doubt the many countless other murders that had happened in Whitechapel that no one was really interested in mm-hmm. because of just the nature of the case and then the letters coming into the press oh yeah like, the entirety of London was Zodiac killer wishes I mean pretty <laughs> much though it had like you know 
that kind of energy of like the the nation is swept up in the fervor of Jack the Ripper. Mm -hmm. um, and it did. A couple of the articles I was reading in a podcast I listened to, they brought attention to how it brought a lot of focus into the state of Whitechapel. Yes. And into the state of like those kind of neighborhoods, just how desperate things are mm -hmm. in these neighborhoods, how dangerous things can be. Oh, yeah. All of that kind of stuff, which I thought was really interesting. Mm -hmm. So they, like I said, they don't know who Jack the Ripper is. Nope. There are still articles coming out like daily. I don't doubt it. Daily, over a hundred years later. Yeah. Of people theorizing who Jack the Ripper was, which I find fascinating. Like, I love what that. is it about this one particular, really brief stint? Like very a, brief. Very brief. Five stint. is not a lot in the. I mean, obviously, allegedly, like there are yeah, others, but, but just these five. You know, the canon five. Yeah. Um. Like that, you know, over a hundred years later, people are still fascinated by it and still investigating and like there are conventions and there are people whose you know PhDs and and all of this stuff are just focused on Jack the Ripper yes and I don't know is it because it was so gory is it because it was so violent like you know you could argue that there have been more violent murders since then oh yeah right and it you know or is everybody just is this some kind of collective hive mind where people just kind of back pocket the Jack the Ripper knowledge and then that comes out in you know murders we see today or are mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. inspired by jack i mean a lot of like prolific serial killers often do get inspiration from somewhere and it definitely i don't think it's a stretch i mean especially just because you and i were both so fascinated by the case and not even in a not in a practical way obviously <laughs> but <laughs> but and also not in like a hardcore way like i haven't spent hours and hours i mean maybe Maybe I have over the years I spent hours now yeah. reading about it, but not in a in a very serious like you know we're trying to get first first hand accounts. We're trying to get source material. Right. We're looking into all of this kind of stuff. The inner workings of the case are are lightly familiar yes. to me, you know. But I don't know. I think that's when as soon as someone says true crime, that's the first thing that pops into my head is Jack the Ripper because that I feel like is where the fascination with true crime yeah. began. And interestingly, was also uh, where we think many people think the first crime scene photo was ever taken. Oh really? I didn't it was know that. Jack the Ripper, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, and you can find it online. And if you kind of know what you're looking at, you're like, okay. I mean, it's not good quality. Uh, yeah. But it is unsettling. Oh, it's but, very you know, unsettling. That's where this kind of this this sort of. Uh, historical marker mm. of where publicized crime sort of became almost like a social activity. Yeah, something that people came together to talk about and mm -hmm. to theorize mm -hmm. about and mm -hmm. I mean yeah just one little foray into the darker corners of the internet and you can definitely find a lot of people theorizing about and as we say like these centuries-old cases. Yes, which is wild because I mean I feel like it, Jack the Ripper is recent enough that it so qualifies as true crime and not so far back as mm -hmm. you're talking like King John and the weird things he did to his family. Well, I mean, I you was know? even thinking of like the princes in the tower. Like yeah, that's, yes, a, exactly. that's a technically exactly. a cold case. I mean, it's right? from like the 1500s, but. But that's exactly it, right? So it kind of hits that it's an antique mystery, <laughs> but not, not such an antique mystery yeah. that everyone ref kind of refers to it only in a historical context and not in an active Yes. You know, an active interest in a case context. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know what's really interesting, Ray? What? Is that 
there was someone who people think was inspired by Jack the Ripper. Oh. And I think you have something to say about that, don't um, you? I do have something to say about that. Thank you so much. Did for I that recover the segue from the last segue? segue? Yes, you. You it wasn't handled, quite as immaculate as yours. But let me tell you something. You handled that reverse segue with grace, with patience. Thank you, my leash. With charisma. Oh, ooh! Wow, <laughs> what a treat! What a treat! Well, we're gonna go check on the. We'll check on the spinach. Yes, the Egyptian spinach. And then, we and then will, we're gonna uh, we're gonna we'll reveal. We're gonna reveal, all right. Yeah. In just a moment. Okay, we're back. The spinach has been checked. The spinach has been added. The spinach has been added. This is true. We love spinach it. has been added. Everything's looking tendy. It's looking very bubbly. tenderoni. Yeah, and then in, you know, in a little bit, we'll start on the special rice that it gets served over. I'm so excited. And then we're gonna feast, baby. But first, speaking of feasts, for the eyes, in a bad way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another knock out uh, of the park. Another knock out of the park. Take us. Uh, so. We uh, just to recap you before yep. what was no doubt an extremely short break, and as we currently have no sponsors, there was no message from our sponsors. No, we're working on it. Yeah, we'll have to get the tomager on it. Yeah, we need to we need to be talking about daily harvest this time next week. Yeah, or we also, may as well just throw the towel I mean, in. We need to be talking about Blue Apron. We need to be talking about HelloFresh. Com.com. Com.com. <laughs> we need to be talking about article furniture. I want Rothy's. Oh, third love bras. How many more do you think we can fit in the next minute? Uh, well, yeah, I'm an equal opportunist, you know. So. Yeah, we're fine with anything. Yeah, we'll do anything. We'll do anything to be on TV. Literally anything. We'll do anything. Um, so recap. Yes, I made recap. a great segue. You did a wonderful job. Who, in uh, you know, murder history has been inspired by Jack the Ripper, and no doubt there have been many, but perhaps one of the most famous and most mysterious. Yes, is what I am bringing to the table Hell today. Yeah. So. My true crime story is about the Black Dahlia. So Take me back to the Autumn of Terror, baby. The Autumn of Terror. Actually, it was uh, the Winter of Terror. Mm. This crime occurred in January. But um, the Black Dahlia is a very famous unsolved murder that happened in 1947 in Los Angeles. Okay. So there was this... Very pretty young woman named Elizabeth Smart. Oh, nope, Elizabeth Short. <laughs> There's no way I'm the first person to ever make that mistake. I'm just throwing that out there right now. No. I'm just laying down the gauntlet. Um, Elizabeth Short, she was, uh, as I say, a young woman in her early 20s. She had come to Los Angeles to fulfill her dream of becoming a movie star. She was trying to become an actress. This was, again, during the golden age of Hollywood, which I think is a big reason why I've always been very interested in this case, mm-hmm. just like the time period, mm-hmm. and everyone associates it with being very glamorous, but then totally. um, you always forget that with Hollywood, there is always, always a super shady, seedy underside to all that glamour. And um, with Elizabeth Short in particular, because she was not making uh, making it big or like getting any breakout roles Mm -hmm. she was relying on sex work as well to pay the bills um she was staying in not a hotel but like a what do you call it like a short-term boarding house yeah boarding house like yeah i mean it was 1947 they definitely still had boarding houses (laughs) i have borders uh, in my home i have some borders in my home and uh anyway so that's what she was doing she was um auditioning by day she was going out to bars by night to try and make a living Mm -hmm. That was that. 
Um, so on January 15th, 1947. We're in the Wayback Machine again. I'm, we're, I'm buckled up. We're, you know what? We're leaving, uh, we're leaving 1989. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are. We're uh, leaving yeah. 1989. We're leaving the, uh, the club. Where everybody's practicing the moonwalk. And yeah, exactly. And listening to Ace of Bass. <laughs> and going back to 1947, um, a young mother and her toddler were out for a morning walk. Okay. Now, you have to remember in the 40s in LA, it's not just like this skyscraper jungle that we're used to seeing with mm -hmm. like the big freeway running through it, mm -hmm. um, all the high rises. LA did have a lot of empty lots um, near the downtown area. So it was a lot more flat and open spaces. Um, a lot of like, again, lots that look kind of like fields, like they were always overgrown. So like kind of pastoral? Um, a little bit, yeah, a little bit more rural than you would expect, mm -hmm. just given what it looks like now. Sure. And uh, this mother and her, I uh, was pushing her child in a stroller past an empty lot that essentially looked like a field, and they thought they saw mannequin limbs. Mannequin limbs? Yeah, you know, this like when a not... mannequin disassembles and uh, the arms uh -huh. and legs. <laughs> yeah. uh -huh. Doesn't uh -huh. bode well for what's coming. Uh, no, um, not mannequin limbs at all. Wow. Real limbs. Real limbs. Real human limbs. Real people, pe people pieces. People pieces. <laughs> okay. That's a, call, that's a callback to the lost tapes. The lost tapes, tapes, tapes. Um, <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so obviously she immediately called the police. I fucking bet. And uh, the LAPD got down there um, where they discovered the dismembered remains of Elizabeth Short. <laughs> <laughs> not Elizabeth Smart. Not Elizabeth Smart. <laughs> Fair. So um, Elizabeth Short, she had essentially been completely severed in half. Um, like all, at the waist? Like at the waist, yeah. Disgusting. Okay. Yep. So, uh, and that was essentially how, again, why this woman thought it might have been a mannequin because the way that her body was left in this field, um, there was about three feet of space between her torso wow. and her bottom half. Like, it was very clearly separate. Okay, yeah, so that makes sense yeah. why she thought it was, like, mannequin parts. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and uh, the killer had, very similarly to Jack the Ripper, removed um, her uterus. Removed <laughs> <laughs> her uterus. Yep. And uh, also of note, gave her a Glasgow grin. So okay. He, I know, not Ugh. the most fun. He gave her the Joker smile. Uh, you all know what that looks like. I just, why is that? Does that something that happens to people in Glasgow? Why is it called the Glasgow grin? Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm looking it up right look now. Looking up, I, I just almost positive that the Glasgow grin is um, something you do to people while they're alive, and the point of it was that they would have to live with the scars, and it essentially was almost like a marker uh, of shame on people who'd either like cross the gangs. Oh, that's exactly correct. Is I, that right? Yeah. It says the practice originated <laughs> in Glasgow in the 1920s and 30s among street crooks. Street Gangs crooks. would often use it on on others as a warning not to mess with them. Cutthroat razors would commonly be used to create the smile. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is so horrid. Yep, 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 yep. So, in any case, um, those definitely would be the most distinct <laughs> identifiers of the murder. And again, like very, very grisly. Um, I'm not going to go into any other details because those ones are kind of <laughs> awful enough as it is. Um, I mean, that, it doesn't get more distinct than being fully no. taken apart and given no. a very iconic, that's a burn right into your brain image. Yes, exactly right. So uh, in any case, um, the 
police officers, once they had examined the body and realized how delicately and with such specific precision that all of the mutilations had been applied to her body and like the organ removals and mm -hmm. such, uh, again, had to be a doctor. That was their biggest theory that it was a doctor or someone who had maybe gone to medical school that hadn't officially gotten their license but mm -hmm. had all the necessary training and the skills to be able to do that. Mm -hmm effectively <laughs> um, yeah very effectively. anybody can take somebody apart but it takes skill to do it well it takes real skill to be able to fully saw a woman in half <laughs> Woo! <laughs> did you see the papers <laughs> she was a she was a three feet apart it's crazy see? it's crazy um so yes anyway so that was their biggest their biggest suspicion for a long time uh unfortunately the crime scene was so devoid of evidence that they really couldn't do much with it um, so the case ultimately went cold. It still is cold. Just like Jack the Ripper, there are a lot of theories online as to, um, I mean, people have done a lot of research into doctors who lived in the neighborhood mm. or the neighborhoods close by. Because obviously LA is like a very big place. Well, and this is a bit more recent, so maybe there is yeah, exactly something right. to go on. Um, but unfortunately, just nothing has ever been uh, concrete enough to associate blame or guilt with somebody. Um, and the <laughs> now this is something that I told you on the last days, right, but, please. um, the biggest lead or the most recent lead that kind of seemed like it was going somewhere that happened with this case, um, a man in the nineties, uh, this man who would have been like middle aged, like thirties uh, or forties, what have sure. you, um, went to the LAPD and essentially said, "My, I think my dad, I'm very, very certain that my dad is the Black Dahlia murderer. And I have all these reasons why. I've In suspected it for years. Yeah, like Stop. just came out of the woodwork and was like, oh, I'm pretty my sure my dad's dad. the Black Dahlia. Um, I guess this person's father had been a doctor, so check. And um, I mean, who can know for certain? But the son very much made it clear that he had a lot of... Uh, sociopathic tendencies like he was not an empathetic person he like Wait, never choice to be a doctor i feel like well you'd be surprised how many people choose to be a doctor that are not very empathetic to others <laughs> um, but in any case uh it was all way too circumstantial and nothing came of it so i mean that's that's not that long ago that no this, that i mean that's what i keep thinking is like okay so the 40s I mean, people really, well, I mean, now it's kind of pushing it, but yeah. people that were adults in the 40s would have been alive in the 90s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, all of our grandparents, like, would have yeah. been growing up in the 40s, may have been teenagers in the 40s, yeah. depending on, um, you know, like, what, like, tail end of the baby boomers they ended up on. But, um, yeah, it's just all very interesting. But the thing about this, and I find what you were saying about Jack the Ripper was very similar. Um mm -hmm. When we are a little further away from these cases, I find, and especially when they have no resolution and they're very mysterious, um, Hollywood and the general culture at large really likes to sensationalize these. They like to interpret these stories in their own way. Mm -hmm. They like to latch onto the fact that it's very dramatic and grisly mm -hmm. and nothing happened or like nothing came of it, pardon me. So wherein you were talking about um, From Hell, mm -hmm. about a movie made about Jack the Ripper. Mm -hmm. um, this case has always stuck with me because uh, it's popped up in my life 
three times. Was one of very them? different ages. Oh, okay. I'm very curious yeah. about this. Uh... Yes. Okay. Walk me through it. So the first time I came across this story, uh, I was at my grandparents' house and they had a hardcover Reader's Digest special that was called um, Great Unsolved Mysteries of the World. So they have this Reader's Digest. Um, they had one other <laughs> Reader's <laughs> Digest hardcover that went along with it called um, Nat Great Natural Disasters of the World. This so, is like every kid's... You know how... Did you ever have those books that you could get? I think it was at like Chapters or something. They were like the Egyptology books or yes. like witchcraft and they were all done up really cool. And everyone The Usborne like, books? Is that what they were? I always remember ours were Usborne Us brand. I just remember so distinctly like they were very I don't they were all like done up big you know mm -hmm. it's not that's not explaining it well but like they there were, were hardcover books but they were big like coffee table size books. yeah and they looked really yeah. cool so you kind of thought it was a for real you know ancient book yes so yeah that's exactly what these books looked like and um I was a very voracious reader when I was a kid so I would read just about anything I could get my hands on and right was very naturally curious, loved stuff about history, and so when I found those two books, I was like, jackpot. Oh, I don't mind if I do. Don't mind if I do. And uh, yeah, I would have been about 10 or 11, so as I was reading this story about the Black Dahlia, like, my morbid curiosity was just going off the charts. Through the roof, Garcon. Yeah. So, um, that would have been the only thing I would have known about the Black Dahlia murder at that time, like, what I got from that book, but... Mm -hmm. Um, luckily for me, this uh, story was going to make a, a reappearance at a time later on where information has become infinitely more accessible Via to me. Internet. Via the internet. Can you sauce me the rice? Yes. Well, we get started on that. Let me sauce you that rice. Thank you very much. You're making the special rice. Um, if I can figure out how to put these back together. Nope. Can I just Here use we Oh. oh, I got it. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, so yes, when I was in high school, I came across a movie that had been done in the uh, mid to late 2000s called The Black Dahlia. Mid to late 2000s. This is a, a fictional story based around the true crime of the actual murder of Elizabeth Short. So quite loose. Yes, so it's very, very open to interpretation. Um, the film itself was done kind of in a cool noir sort of uh, style and it starred, are you ready for this? I don't know if I am. Okay, Scarlett Johansson. Okay. Josh Hartnett. <laughs> oh my god, there's the 2000s right there. Yep. Um, Hilary Swank. Oh. Hot off of Boys Don't Cry. Oh wow, okay, so we're talking. Oh right. yeah. Very powerful. Um, and Aaron Eckhart, who seems like a weird mix to it's throw a, it's in It's an there. interesting mix. Who was he? Um, so yeah, essentially the the premise of the story is that uh, Josh Hartnett and Aaron Eckhart are cops who decide to start investigating um, the Elizabeth Short murder. So mm -hmm. she's already uh, already passed away at the beginning of the film, and. Uh, Josh Hartnett becomes so obsessed with the case that he stops coming home to his fiance, played by Scarlett Johansson, who's like kind of like that classic platinum blonde. So she's very much styled to look the complete opposite to Elizabeth Short, who very famously had like jet black curls and very right. pale skin. Um, and while Josh Hartnett is uh, like going, as I said, to the seedy underbelly of LA and mm -hmm. trying to figure out what happened to her, mm -hmm. he meets Hilary Swank who plays a fictitious 
fictitious, pardon me. A fictitious. A fictitious. She's very fictitious. Um, she plays a fictitious sex worker who would have known Elizabeth Short, and drama ensues. Um, it's a very uh, campy movie that didn't mean to be campy, if that makes oh, any okay. sense. Yeah, accidentally campy. Um, but, you know, I watched it just because, I again, the content, uh, I really like Carla Johansson, and... She was really in, like, her prime. Oh, not that she's not doing well now, but, to, like, everybody was... It was right after she was in that Justin Timberlake music video, um, What Goes Around Comes Around. What goes around, comes around, goes around, comes all the way oh, yeah. back around. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm toasting the rice. Oh, are you toasting you hear the rice? Yes, nice let's, uh, crispy sound. Oh, this um, is my, I don't make rice any other way now since you showed me how to do this. Yeah, so this is, uh, again, this is the... My mother-in-law's method she showed me how to make and you put um, a generous amount of butter I, into a pan <laughs> yep a generous <laughs> amount of butter get that melted and then you toss in your rice dry mm -hmm. and then you fry the rice until it gets nice and kind of um, browned sounds so good it smells so good I know I love listening to them sizzle and then you put in <laughs> uh, you put in you pour where you Fill the pot with water until it's about like half a finger yeah. above the rice. This is exactly how she taught me. Um, and then you put salt in it until it tastes like the ocean. Yes. And then you boil it and cook the rice. Oh. Yeah. So, ready. so okay. So, let me ask you a question. Sure. Why is it called the Black Dahlia? So, where the name comes from, I'm going to have to consult my notes because I don't want to paraphrase and get this wrong. Yeah. Um, I've always kind of wondered that because, mm -hmm. you know, when... I mean, Jack the River kind of gave himself the name. Yes. Or at least reinforced the name in his letters. So... But I'm unsure where the Black Dahlia comes from. The Black Dahlia, um, the thing I find so ironic about this name, because it, it sounds very glamorous. It does sound very glamorous. And again, it sounds this, like a great perfume. Yeah, like it ties in with this whole theme of this murder, which is like face value, very glamorous, old Hollywood, mm -hmm. like all of that, and then <laughs> behind the scenes... <laughs> really horrible uh, not not great not very savory um so the black dahlia was a nickname uh, it was a nickname that elizabeth short's male customers gave her okay so when was... she was conducting her sex work sure. and the um while when people in her neighborhood were being interviewed uh posthumously like after she had died mm -hmm. and you know the newspapers got word of this um Reporters would go and interview people who lived in her neighborhood and who knew her, mm -hmm. and uh, that's what they used in all the headlines. Was the Black Dahlia. Yeah, and it, apparently it was very trendy at the time for them to use, like, the most provocative nicknames for these types of crimes sure. so they could sell as many papers well, as yeah, possible. it's totally sensational, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. So that is that is where the nickname comes from. Okay, I didn't really know that. That's yeah. a... Makes and sense. I mean, it's stuck. I mean, it's Even stuck. Even until now, it's stuck. And uh, that brings me kind of to my last um, last time interacting with the Black Dahlia in a way where the uh, the case itself has been interpreted uh, for a different medium, a different type of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like pop culture, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so, <laughs> sure, everybody's familiar with this little-known TV show called American Horror Story. <laughs> Some people have heard of it. I personally have never watched it. You've never seen it. No, which, which is I feel I feel like I'm kind of slacking. I mean, here's the thing. Cer 
certain seasons of American Horror Story are better than others. Mm -hmm. I'm of the firm belief of that. Um, I mean, it's a very cool TV show in the sense that it's horror done very stylistically and very aesthetically. Okay. Vibe. Yes, very much a vibe. Very vibe. It's an anthology series, so every season is a completely different story, a completely different theme. Um, I remember the first season which is the one that uh, I will be talking about a little bit more in terms of how Elizabeth Short is related to it. But mm-hmm. um, the first season's called Murder House. It takes place in a house full of ghosts. Like, that's kind of the premise <laughs> of that one. Oh, all right. Pretty on brand. Pretty on uh, brand. Second season incorporates a lot of different themes. Um, serial killers, aliens, mental hospital. Like, that season. Two season three is just about witches. Like, it's just all very... That's where the supreme cool. is, right? I know. You would I've, love season three, I have think. Have I? Or have I? Have I? Have I love it? I, have, I don't know. <laughs> oh my god, struggling so much. Yep. Um, I know, I do I do mean to watch it. But, mm-hmm. so is there like a, is there an episode or is the Black Dahlia in the whole season? So, in season one of American Horror Story Murder House, um, there is one episode... Or sorry, each episode usually features um, some kind of flashback sequence or backstory to explain where one of the house ghosts came from or died, how they died in the house. Um, and a lot of the uh, the other sequences actually do reference other like very famous murders oh, okay, in so LA. It's not just her. No, it's and not I'm just a, her. I'm gonna we're gonna put some water in this. Oh, I'm things ready, are getting ready nice for the and sizzle. Crispy. Yep. Are you ready? I'm very ready. Thank you. Oh yeah. Nice and steamy. Okay, good. It's a very, and my partner will say this, and this is how he explained many Egyptian recipes to me, is they're not ever written down and there's no measurements, so you just have to kind of... You gotta feel it out. Gotta feel it out. And you know what? It's a great way to cook. Great way to cook. Okay, so, Black Dahlia is one of the ghosts. She is one of the ghosts in the house. The storyline, and again, totally fictionalized, but the way that um, American Horror Story wrote her into the house is, um, I mean, the house itself is based in LA in the Mm -hmm. story. And uh, they allege that um, one of the owners of the house in the 40s was a um, at-home, or sorry, a a dentist who practiced out of his house, but also was offering um, illegal abortion procedures like on the down low, which was very common, especially in Hollywood, because a lot of actresses would need something very like... Yeah, low-key. Low-key to take care of that sort of thing. Sure. And so, obviously, Elizabeth Short being a sex worker, um, she goes to him to have this procedure done. Uh, In the show, he botches it, and then just starts kind of experimenting on her cadaver, which is why she ends up cut in half and all that. Oh, okay, so that, he doesn't like... The okay, so the the murder is not the sole thing; it's the abortion that leads to the murder. Yes, exactly right. Horrible. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, still not good. But no. uh, in any case, um, Mina Suvari plays Elizabeth Short, and uh, her ghost is in the house in the show in a couple more episodes, just for a few minutes of screen time after that. So just kind of chilling. Yeah, just kind of chilling. Okay. But uh, so yes, when I saw that season, that once again was reminded. I was like, oh, this case is so. Like, people still find it so interesting. They want to bring it into the culture and, like, have it be a part of all of our conversations about... It's so iconic. Yeah. So, anyway, that's why I like this case. I find that it just... It pops up where I least expect it. And I have definitely done some deep dives on the internet 
as to, I mean, well, I've definitely seen the crime scene photos. Similarly to what you were saying, they're not the greatest quality. Um, it genuinely looks like a like a movie set mannequin. Okay. Like in the grass. All right. So but, that lady was not necessarily mistaken. Uh, no, 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 no. But uh, yeah, it's a very tragic and still open to this day. I mean, I'm just, I would just love to, I want to know, like with Jack the Ripper, with mm-hmm. Black Dahlia, mm-hmm. like I want to know who did it and why. It's like, I would love to go back like, and be a fly on the wall. I love those movie premises with like time travel where, yeah, you could go back and see it exactly as it unfolded. Yeah. Like, Ooh. I just, I don't know. I just feel like there are some things in history that stick in the collective, you know, yeah. brain. And I would love to know the answer. One I of wish. the many mysteries. I wish. Along with where the fuck the lost tapes went. I know. Fuck happened with the I lost don't tapes. know. Tapes, tapes, tapes. I think it might have just been too. We might have just. We been, were too spicy. We were too spicy. Ugh. The mics couldn't handle the heat. They couldn't. But now they're. Yeah. Now now they're, they're okay. Okay. <laughs> it's all um, right. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a good segue for this one, but uh, shall we get into our beverage? Yes. Of the uh, app. I'm trying to think of a good segue. Um, you think of that like at the wine glass. Okay. Let me mull this over. Um, I mean, it's a red, right? Yep. Speaking of. Blood. Oh, <laughs> super appetizing for red wine. <laughs> Sorry, it was the best I could do. That's okay. You know what? I kind of put you on the spot for that that's one. Okay. So that, that's on me. You know what? Next, we'll come back better and stronger next week. Yes, exactly. Uh, but yeah, tell us about the old uh, the vine that the you've vine. selected to go with our yeah. So, um, for the most part, I am one of those people that like goes for the classic wine pairings. Uh, if we were doing spaghetti bolognese or like a like an italian based recipe with mm-hmm. the ribolita um i was initially considering an italian red mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of like going from there um yeah. but i've never been able to get my hands on egyptian wine i have no doubt that they do produce wine in egypt just because i'm sure like with the elevation there must be somewhere that grapevines can thrive um but there are a lot of countries out there that produce wine it's just that some places are not interested in exporting it sure uh germany is a classic example of that really um which i mean they produce a fuck ton of wine which is why we have a lot of german rieslings and such over here but german reds for example 85 percent of the german reds that are uh, produced are consumed domestically like they just don't they're not worried about like sending it that's interesting anywhere um but i was thinking about you know similar climate i wanted to keep it within the old world so close and not like europe obviously so close enough to egypt um so i ended up selecting for us a lovely spanish red Ooh! oh that sounds good yes pouring it as we speak and we've got the rice boiling we got the room wine oh yeah the ambiance is set the ambiance is i mean we really (laughs) set the table for the most appetizing of topics, right? Covering so our... this guy here um, is the Vega Sandoa Tempranillo. So it's from Navarra in Spain. Okay. And Tempranillo is the name of the one and only grape that's gone into this one. So it is a single varietal wine, okay. um, just like our Shoyreba. What, what does that mean for taste? Um, so, oops, sorry. sorry. So when it comes to Tempranillos, um, they're usually more so a full bot on the full bodied side there'll be lots of tannins lots of more intense rich flavors um it's a warmer climate so you do find that the sugar le- uh, sugar levels sugar have a sugar sugar level sugar levels <laughs> the uh the sugar 
in the grapes, it uh, always goes up when there's okay. more heat and lots of sunlight. So we should definitely expect it to have like some more red fruit flavors. Um, I am expecting it to be more on the dry side and probably more light on the acidity, which will be a nice change of pace for you and I, because we definitely, we tend to like in our group of friends, we tend to consume a lot more acidic wines yeah. than not. It smells really good. What are you getting on the nose? Speak to us. Oh my God, yeah, the pressure's on. A little bit of <laughs> <laughs> Try to keep it on brand. No, it's like, um, I'm getting some like plummy? coffee notes. Yeah, definitely like cooked plum for sure. Yeah. You can tell it's definitely like full bodied though. Like that is deep, a like yeah the kind of really good or, nose. I don't know if chocolate's mm -hmm. the right word, but that kind of yeah. deep smell, rich. Mm -hmm. And it is very purple. This red. It's very pretty. Mm -hmm. I love these wine glasses too. Oh, Give it a little swirl. Shall we taste? Yes. There we oh, go. what a ring! Clear, clear as a bell. Clear as a bell, Garcon. Oh yeah, definitely quite tannic. Woo! Very dry. Oh, she goes down smooth though. That's cherry. That's cherry. Oh yeah, big time. I get a little bit of black currant as well. Black currant. Oh, you get the black currant like right, right at the end there. It's oh, a yeah. sweet. It's a little, little sweeter aftertaste. Oh, that's very tasty. This is a 2020 vintage, which means the grapes that went into this wine were harvested last year. So it's a very young wine. Um, I'm super pleased with this. I have not tried this before, but it is something we sell in the shop that I work at. Okay. And um, I'm very, very happy. Tempranillo. So the name of this winery, Vegas and Doa, um, it's a reference to the valley where the vineyards are kind of like, what sort of looking for, like interspersed. Um, there's a lot of uh, like chapels in that area and medieval hermitages. So that is kind of, all that's going on in Navarra, so that's a vibe. I mean, <laughs> churches about... and vineyards. I mean, I could I love it. I'm, I'm not saying I would love to be there forever, but I would. I I could do it. I could do it. I could do it. I could do it. So uh, I think this is the first red we've done in the pod. I think it is. And in what the... a one to tip it off. Well, I mean, you you yourself are uh, more of a red fan, I'm aren't a you? Red fan. Yes. Famously. Famously, I do enjoy a good red. I do enjoy a good red. I like um. I don't know. I just like the the depth of flavor you get with a red. Although sometimes nothing hits like a chilled white. It's true. But I think this is going to go down with the spinach real well once it's done. This is going to be real, real nice. We are approaching the We're going to let it sit for a little bit longer. We're going to let the, the rice cook. Yep. And we're going to let the beef continue to tenderize. We will uh, and then we're gonna return to you guys for our, our first and final bite. <laughs> Truly. On the air. <laughs> our first and final bite, we will be joined by some guests even. Oh, as yes. we all take our initial taste. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we'll get uh we'll get stuck in. We'll see you guys in just a just a minute. See you soon. I'm having my midnight pasta, that's what I eat. <laughs> this massive bowl? Yeah. I respect it. I got respect respect for you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me get some of the hot cheese on here. Yeah, the hot cheese, which is on top of the special rice. The oh, hot cheese is feta and cottage cheese blended with chilies. Yeah, I think that was oh. my spoon, actually. Oh, thanks, though. Sorry. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking savage, but okay. Mix it all together. Yeah. And take your first bite. It's piping hot. It is pretty hot. And right don't just stop me, but. <laughs> that sign can't stop me because I can't read. This is going to be good with that wine. I'm very, very excited. Okay. 
right, first bite, here we go. Ready for your first bite? Yep. <laughs> Everyone's blowing. We got our guests Yeah, it's here. been uh, at least three years since you've made me Egyptian spinach. I've made it for myself since, but. Wow, this is momentous. I know. Mm. Wow. Good tomager? Love it. The tomager is here. I get some more of that cheese, though. Oh, help yourself. I mean, to yeah. The when, I, when we said literally, we meant live. Oh, yeah. Like, have <laughs> at it. You can see here our resident Egyptian is doing it the right way. Yeah. Just loading it on. Loading it on. It's yeah. a man of few words, but. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right, guys. Well, a successful spinch. A successful spinch. Successful murder. Murder. <laughs> mm hmm. And that's that. All right. Covered. Um, Jack the Rippy Boy and uh, the Black Dahlia. We'll be back for more next week. See you then. <laughs>